You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Folks, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. And you know what? Happy birthday to us here at the Michigan Life Outdoors podcast. We've been doing this for one year now, dropping some juicy outdoor content uh, episode for all of you guys to listen to, hopefully to learn from, uh, enjoy, and uh, hopefully engage with as well. So I want to thank you guys, the listeners, for sticking with us throughout this past year, and hopefully you guys have been you know, enjoying the content. But on this episode, we gather around a beautiful spring evening here in Michigan around a campfire, and we do a little bit of live dip netting, meaning we're standing next to a creek or a creek, however you want to say that in the state of Michigan. There's a little bit of a debate on that. But uh, yeah, we try to catch some fish live on the on the podcast while standing around a campfire. It's a cool ambiance. Carson talks about his setup and hopefully uh, something that you guys might be able to get involved in too with dip netting. Kelly recaps um, the squirrel hunt that we had talked about last month. And he also kind of shares with you guys some great uh, details about how to make the perfect jerky with your leftover meat from the fall. We talk about life perspective, how that pertains to the outdoors. It's just a cool BS session at the end. And, uh, you know, obviously we're enjoying each other's company, hanging out, and just having a beautiful spring night here in the great state of Michigan. So so without any further ado, here we are chilling around a campfire, having a great time. And uh, thanks for sticking with us this past year. Cheers. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another podcast episode. And this is a special one because it's our first one that's outside. Nice. And... I'm just going to set the ambiance for you guys right now. Right now we are at Carson's house and it's kind of cool because we're out by, there's a creek that runs next to Carson's house and I won't name the name of the creek. I was going to say no name creek. Out, no name creek. It's about, I don't know, 13, 14 feet wide. Yep. Something like that. But anyways, I'll post a photo of it because it's going to probably be the photo of our podcast episode, but we're standing and we're we're dip netting because it's the middle of april man any michigan people might know dip netting but i know dip state they don't know it you look it up on the internet 
you can't even buy dip net. They kind of had to be handy. Well, that, that's a good point. So, what is dip netting? So, anybody who doesn't know what dip netting is, yeah. go ahead. Give a give a give a synopsis real quick. So, just, just paint a picture of like what we're looking at. That way, people know. Okay, most dip netting, if if you do know, is done over a bridge, and you have a big net, ten foot by ten foot net, eight foot by eight foot net. Usually, they're square, and you lower them down into the water with usually a rope and then you know whenever it's time to pull to the bottom right you let them sink to the bottom so our creek here is probably what two and a half feet deep right here something like that yeah real shallow compared to most dip netting situations yeah some dip nets deeper you know give or take and this creek leads all the way out to one of the great lakes so the fish are coming up to spawn or lay their eggs this time of year in the springtime Mm -hmm. because they're waiting on the correct water temperature which is typically driven by rain warm runoff all that kind of stuff so right now it's the middle of april so everything's starting to kind of align that way it's happening in um the my trigger or trigger we've talked about for years is when the little i don't know what they're called tree frogs start kind of chirping you hear them oh um what are they called? Spring peepers, right? Sure. Spring peepers. They're <laughs> <laughs> gone sure. biology class. I can't sure. remember. So when those spring peepers start peeping, <laughs> then um, when you hear that, then uh, the fish are up. Okay. So somehow when they when one species triggers, it's the same as oh, yeah. when the, another fish are coming up. And yeah. this is important to note. This is in southern Michigan. So yeah, you know, yeah. it may be different in different areas. But for us, the, the weather and the climate and everything that aligns when those little frogs Frogs are chirping. I call Carson. I'm like, hey, uh, you know, this is KP here, obviously. Uh, call the older brother. Hey, man, fish are up. It's, it's time. So they're coming. So you got this dip net. And then at random, it's awesome with kids, family. We can sit here. We're doing a podcast while we're dip netting. I'm yeah. going to have to set this down a few times. And when you feel like you're lucky, you pull and you pull the net up. Sometimes you got fish in there. Sometimes you don't. We've caught from snapping turtles to bluegill to pike to carp to suckers and you just see what's in there a lot of them we just let them back go i mean all you're doing is netting them sometimes take a picture still in the net letting them back down legally you're allowed to keep suckers and carp and gar Gar pike pike. yeah yeah i think it goes the same regulations for like uh bow fishing kind of thing yes exactly and a lot of those fish we may consider keeping or we may keep based on turtle trapping so we've talked about that previously those really oily fish the, the fish that are not known to be good eaters the suckers of carp and stuff like that you know you chunk those up for turtle bait in the midsummer when when turtle season comes in and those are great opportunities a lot of people smoke we won't get into cps uh smoking a, a carp uh, over the open fire that, that didn't turn out so well but cp you know he isn't known for his cooking skills so we'll well i'll throw him under the bus right away on that one but end of the world man i guess if you had to you could catch some carp oh you'd eat them Oh, yeah, no doubt you, you'd that. live. Taste buds might die, but other than that. <laughs> well, the other thing, too, is like it's springtime. Use some as fertilizer. We got to control the population regardless. So. Now, I'll warn you on that one, too, because we've been down that road yes. as well. If you have dogs that are keen on a fish smell oh, or, yeah. or in particular careful. diggers, 
be cautious about fish in your garden because they will dig them up. We had that exact scenario where <laughs> we to took our mother, believe it or not, on a carp spear and uh, expedition. Em suckers she like she have a good time it was great we were hitting tennis shoes in 10 inches yeah, of water I mean, young 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 and mom this is great it's good for the environment and she of course you know well we have to utilize you know these and we have to respect these and i'm gonna put them in my garden i'm gonna have the best flowers on the block and sure enough what a cool mom yeah <laughs> two weeks later the, there's dead fish laying all over the yard because our dog dug them all Everyone up and, and then her garden was probably ruined right yeah, yeah dug up everything else so yeah all right well, that's a good hot tip right there. <laughs> Depends on what you want to fertilize. Grind them up and spread it out throughout the entire yard or something. There you go. So we have this crick. We got the fire pit behind us. Nice. Uh, yeah, I was going to describe the fire pit. We got a fire behind us. I'm going to try to get some crackling sounds every once in a while on the mic. But, dude, the ambiance is nice. Clear sky, right? But gorgeous. Well, we got a waning gibbous up there. Or what is that? I'd never heard of that. Yeah, winning gibbous? What's that? That's the moon phase or the kind of moon that's showing. What? Yeah, about, about three quarters. Yeah, we call that like quarter, half, full. Like oh, we're, we're a bunch of hillbillies. You guys didn't pay attention to biology. That's like <laughs> waning gibbous or something buntus, I think it's called. Oh, my God. That's just guys that want to get their <laughs> names <laughs> out there, apparently. That's Lee. There you go. I was just trying to get an A, guys. Trying to get an A. <laughs> but anyways, the, the ambiance is cool. I think we're going to... Oh, I have a question for you. Now that the you know we're, we've got the dip net out... What do you kind of look for of when to pull it up? Earlier, you were kind of alluding the things your, your eye kind of gets keen to. So there's certain times, like obviously you pull it up randomly, but also you can kind of get, there's a method to it a little bit. Absolutely. So sometimes on the bridge, you can pull it random. Our setup, they don't know what this is. So let's explain it. I have a couple 500 watt floodlights shining towards our crick here. And uh, we have it so the deeper spots right where the dip net is. So the fish kind kind of want to go right under the dip net area so the other a few minutes ago we pulled it i saw some i call it uh mud muddy bottom some some clouds going so a lot of times when the fish are swimming sometimes you can see them here sometimes right now it's kind of a little bit murky but when the fish are swimming you can see them kind of stirring up the bottom a little bit it looks a little cloudy a little dirty and i saw that a few minutes ago i'm like get ready to pull now we pulled we didn't work on that time but i know something was moving down there because i could see the clouds stirring up in the in the current and i think it's also important to note that a lot of times you had mentioned you can go to a bridge or that if it's safe to do so if the bridge has a sidewalk or blah blah, blah. in our particular scenario we are at the crick edge at a residential setting and we have a 90 degree T-post that is actually mounted to the ground uh, next to where we're standing. It comes up. It's welded, fabricated. It's something that, you know, we made and uh, or, or had made, rather. And that goes out and extends out about, I'm going to take an educated guess here. That looks about 10 foot, another 10 foot. I would say we're about 18 foot. Uh, from where the post is mounted in the ground to where the the 90 degree angle comes and it goes out and extends over the water and then it drops down with a simple pulley system uh, so I think that's important to note that a lot of times you we see that in Michigan a lot where yeah they have the the 90 degree angle post they mount them off boats they mount them off the shore or a tree limb sometimes there's a tree out there we just yeah. Yeah. get that like exactly pulley system over the center of the creek yep but what's nice about that pulley system is, we have a pipe into the ground. I cemented it in. 
and then we built this ghetto tee, right? But it works great. And um, when we pull this up, Lee, which I haven't showed you yet, and there's a fish in there, that whole thing pivots to the side. Yeah, and so you can swing the fish over. I can swing the uh, fish gotcha. over Glenn. And before we started this podcast, it's bedtime now. The kids are going down, but uh, we had the boys out here. Yeah, they got one pull before they went to bed. They got their first pull as six and eight-year-old <laughs> Brooks and Briggs. And it's important to note real quickly here is why you can swing that over is because there's a round post in the ground that's sunk. There's a slightly smaller diameter round post that goes inside that sleeve if you will and so now that we have two round objects that we're allowed to swing them either left or right to come to shore so when you pull that and you catch a fish uh, whether you know if you want to keep that fish and you can swing the whole the whole 90 degree angle right over and uh and you know and get that net to shore which is the key basically you don't have to get wet to get in there to get yeah. your fish and everything like that <laughs> exactly. and the other thing too i was going to comment on it like carson was alluding to it earlier the way that carson's got it positioned in the creek is think of it like a natural funnel the fish want to pass in the deepest part of the creek especially yep. when they get to a corner yep. we're kind of on like a little bend right here he doesn't have it real close to shore he has it in like the deepest part of the inside of the cut because the fish are going to want to pass right there because they feel the safe is going through there. Are you going to yep. do a pull? And he's getting ready to he's pull. He's doing right a pull now. right now, a live pull. CP Hopefully there's pull. a fish on there. Nothing. Nothing. It was a good pull though. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, you get an arm workout, guys. This is this is beneficial multiple ways. <laughs> Listen, this also this is a great way and the great excuse to have a couple beers in the campfire, and you can do this all night on a Friday, Saturday night if you don't yeah. got to work or whatever it is. This is a great excuse. I love it. Um, I got video of this as well. So if you guys look on our Instagram page, you guys can look to see uh, exactly what it looks like, and then I'll also record uh, Carson doing a poll as well, so you guys can kind of see what that looks like and get a really good idea um i remember as a kid doing this in high school uh and we did it with the same setup with like what you got with the kind of like those four metal arms going out that are holding the net but we would just hang over the side of a bridge yep. or like abandoned bridge on another no-name creek yep let it sink down and then like you we you know we'd wait whatever every couple minutes and pull it up and and, and that's the other way that you can do it, is just if you're buying overpass obviously be safe if there's not too much traffic all that kind of stuff but if you can find a, a part of the creek, you can kind of just leave right over, lean over, and tie it off to the side of the bridge. And a simple fishing license, right? Too. Yeah, That's important. absolutely. No, yeah. Make sure you guys got your license. But, yeah, it's a pretty simple, it's just a simple license and have fun, you know? Yeah. And it's a complete win-win situation. So we talked about you have a family out here. You can have the kids. I let them pull as many times as you want. Sometimes out here, they pull every two minutes for <laughs> two hours. Like, Knock your socks off, guys. Rock it out. If we don't get anything to night and we don't pull anything up i'm hanging out with good people around amazing fire enjoying the outdoors or what if the night kind of starts to turn on we're like wow it's a record night we pull up 30 fish it doesn't really matter which way it goes you're in a win-win situation mm -hmm. well and then like you texted us earlier the weather tonight it's getting warmer as the night goes on how crazy is that so that's wild we got a south wind tonight basically right or southeast yep, yep southeast something like that anyways it's bringing in warm weather so you can make a hell of a night out of it especially if it's getting warmer throughout the night water temperatures are going to be creeping up uh who knows it could be you guys could be part of that you know one degree difference of where that triggers the fish to run up so it's cool and then one more comment on this i wanted to say it's a cool tradition that i think 
I don't know how alive and well it is, especially, well, US-wise, but in the state of Michigan, it's a cool tradition to get your kids introduced into, and it's something that you can kind of pass down and pass down because I don't know too many people other than you guys at Dipnet, and then because I thought me and my buddies were the only ones that did it back then. <laughs> so you always think you're the only one, right? Like, right. I'm the only guy to do this. <laughs> but then again, we're in Michigan, and when everybody I, does everything, but yeah. Michigan is Michigan specific. I don't think you need fresh water. You need sure. coming up the spawn, and granted, you do might have the salmon runs, which you're not allowed to do in some other states or Alaska right. or something like that, but. Michigan, it's it's here, right. and it's extremely important to note too. Some rivers are designated trout streams. Yeah, so the blue ribbon streams. Yeah, and so I've learned this over the years is that some rivers have specific rules based on their geographic location. So do your homework as always. Make sure you're legal. Make sure you're right. doing things the right way because some areas, even if it is sucker or carp steering, you're not allowed to spear in them. Period. Zero. Right. Like it's it's not allowed, even though you. You have a fishing license. You're not breaking any rules. There's a frog right over the Oh, net. yep. There's, oh, yeah. There's a big old frog. Oh, you right just there. missed a frog, dude. He just floated right over your nose. <laughs> Sometimes you got to give him a break. <laughs> he, he, we let well, that let's one see go. if he gets eaten. If he gets eaten, we know that there's fish there. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, make sure you're not in the, the desert. Right. Trout streams are big. We actually ran into that on a float trip on a deer hunting adventure one time. And he said, had your arrows been connected to a string, meaning like a bull sure. fishing setup, we would have had big problems. I know we're deer hunting and public land. And so, um, but yeah, anyways, make sure you're in the right spots. Yeah. Don't do it in the Osabo as they're trying to reintroduce grayling into the, oh, the yeah. river. That'd be a bad idea. They have a good distance away from the lake too. So we are about, I don't know, say five miles, which is kind of far. That's about the max you'd want to go. It'd probably be better dip netting closer to yep, the lake. Absolutely. Because they're, you know, they're all funneling sure. the lake up the stream. Oh, we definitely get fish up here, but uh, staying close to that mouth of, you know, within one or two miles, five miles swims a long swim for them fish. Absolutely. And it gets shallow too. I mean, we're, we're, we're at, so, you know, two, two to three foot deep. It's not very deep where when they started, you know, they're at 15 foot deep or, yeah. or greater. So the big uh, rains, how tall does this creek get? Pretty oh tall? Oh my gosh. It raises uh, six to eight feet in a day. Oh, wow. And then, but it goes back down that quick too. So it's just, yeah. That floodplain, which uh, Michigan wetlands really filter out that water and have them sure. fluctu fluctuations. Especially like, with us being on the east side, you know, that's that that cleansing. Like it, the east side of Michigan is totally different than the west side of Michigan, right? So like uh, being on this side or whatever we're, we're at, it's like, you know, the, the, the wetlands are like a cleansing before it gets into, you know, the Great Lakes area, whether that be Lake Huron or, you know, Lake St. Clair, Erie, wherever you're at. It looks a little bit different than the west side. So absolutely. Okay. So the next thing that uh, we touched on a couple episodes ago and we were going to go on this endeavor was our squirrel hunt and uh kp you want to kind of recap that a little bit about how that went down and sure. uh, what transpired for us here yeah, in michigan we, we absolutely did not want to leave you guys hanging i know we appreciate all you guys listening and and weighing in on what we have going on uh, so we had a buddy come up a uh, really close friend from southern ohio long story short bringing his dog he's in squirrel hunt our season goes to march 31st for a small game and it was called a mountain cur so that was the dog that is that correct there yeah Lee? mountain cur mountain cur uh cur rather and um 
yeah so he is bringing that dog up we're super excited we got three or four days lined up as you guys heard in the previous episode uh long story short they get here they have an initial hunt uh around our local area and the dog is injured by a squirrel and um and so the the dog actually got bit by the squirrel in the foot, and and uh, not a not a critical injury, you know. It was just it's more Wait of a second. A squirrel dog gets attacked by a squirrel. Yeah, you know the irony is is pretty good, you know, in this yeah, situation. Yeah. Tell about how this, tra- this just transfired. Well, yeah, this gave us a punchline before the story. <laughs> well, I know, but you know, I wasn't there for the story. It's hard for me to really elaborate. But but the cliff notes are that somebody shoots a squirrel in the tree, and they, you know, the dog did its job to identify the tree and the squirrel falls down, dog tackles the squirrel and, and dog gets this, or I'm sorry, squirrel gets his revenge on the dog and bit its foot, you know, so had a, a minor injury. Unfortunately, it was something that the dog wasn't putting any weight on that foot. It was in a bad and, spot, right? Yeah, it was right on the, the paw of the one of his front legs. So, um, you know, understandably, the owner didn't want to run the dog anymore the next couple of days so sure. we had we had cleared some schedules and we really wanted to bring you guys a really good recap because we hadn't hunted with a squirrel dog and unfortunately as we're standing here none of us still have hunted with a squirrel <laughs> dog we had uh we had we had another buddy who got to go out with them for a day they did shoot a couple squirrels and they were successful the dog did a great job but unfortunately got injured so uh from that point we we got to experience a a meet and greet with him and got to say hi and brief but uh he did end up going home with the dog and we didn't get to hunt the next couple days um and the cool thing about that is like you know that's that dude's passion right oh he loves it he would travel all the way across the country to do that it's kind of cool because um you know from the sounds of it or for what you guys are describing me it's like he gets so much enjoyment out of seeing the dog work and and how the squirrels and that's i can say that's something that's uncommon in our area i don't know anybody well we've never done it we're pretty uh, big outdoorsmen we've never never i mean obviously we hear about the dogs with the bears up north stuff like that or rabbits or rabbits exactly but pheasants yep and and you touched previously on another episode with your dad and grandpa and brother which i love the episode i got to listen to that and you talked about the history of michigan and the deer population and the numbers of that well if you go back squirrel hunting used to be the number one uh, yep. popular sport in the state of Michigan. No they were, yeah. it, it used to just outrank deer, and I don't have exact stats or numbers, but I mean, it used to just dwarf deer hunting. I mean, squirrel hunting was you did. the state of Michigan, and then as time has evolved and things have changed, you know, we have uh, we have adjusted our passions, you know, but um, I just found that super interesting that now that we've come full circle, and this gentleman who lives in the deer capital of the nation, in my opinion, and like he, yeah. he is it. Girl hunt. He's back to squirrel hunting, and we're we come down there deer hunting. He comes up here to squirrel hunting. Well, just, it's a great way to pay him back, right? You yeah, know what absolutely. I mean? like, I mean, that friendship and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, you guys use him for deer, you know, 
your your deer ventures he's gonna i mean for you guys to pay it back in a state where you guys don't really do much squirrel hunting to begin with yeah, well, it feels like a come major win to me i'm like i'll hunt november it, it, we had a couple of properties up. lined up for him when he came up here yes. so it's almost like a bucket list that you know i think you sent out the text to us to be like hey he's coming up here's the dates you know i offered up my woods you guys had a couple of properties lined up so yep. i think we were geared up ready to go i was pumped about it but because the michigan michigan season goes a little bit longer than the ohio yes season. yeah ohio is shut down and and don't quote me on this i believe it was <laughs> january 1st or january 31st in ohio and we're fortunate enough here to you know be able to go till march 31st so good stuff and and so back to the hunting outdoors stuff that all these listeners completely understand you guys do is man if uh if there's 50 things important about being the outdoors or, or going on a hunting trip or the out, being involved in the outdoors, 51 is getting the animal. Like, right. It's sure. so important. We're having ambiance here with the fire. This guy's coming up squirrel hunting. We develop relationships. We have camaraderie. All them things had zero to do with the harvest or the dip net or the squirrel. It's it's deeper than that. It's more important. Than that. Well, I think if you tell the story, like if you tell like if you have adventures set up, like uh, you know, like that guy coming up, you know, like, that's a cool. I mean, it's not cool as dog got bit, but it's a story, right? Yeah. It's not about getting the squirrels and all that kind of stuff, but it's like what you guys learn from it. Like shit, I didn't know squirrels would bite back a dog after things like that. Yeah. And, and, and the care that you got to make and sure he that did it's make dead. a comedy too, and if there's some avid squirrel hunters you know with dogs out there he made a comment that you know the shooter didn't make a headshot and you know that's something to bring up you know did you know was the opportunity not there was there a miss you know was that the cause of the injury to the dog did did we fail to do our job as hunters or was it just a simple you know you know mishap you know what i mean or, or you know what's the cause of it to be honest with you if i was in that hunting situation i i would not have aimed for the head i wouldn't have known better and shame on me i don't know i i would have sure. aimed right at the shoulder with my 22 and took him out like i always do and and we get them a second later. But right. I, I honestly would have made that mistake. I, I didn't know that you were supposed to try to so make up. It's a to total, like, different mindset. You know what I mean? If you're the owner and operator sure. of a dog, well, now you have an obligation to the dog to do, not only to the animal that you're hunting, but also to the dog that you have to do your due diligence to, you know, make an ethical shot, a headshot. If you don't have a headshot, then you don't shoot, you know? And that's, again, that's something more of a question for dog hunters out there there is did did we mess up or you know was there a mistake that allowed that to happen well and then like so all right so uh, not to harp on it but reverse engineer that right so we're leading back to the dog injury is that our gear setup is our sh our exactly. ammunition that we were using is it the caliber of gun that we were using mm -hmm. so there's a lot of shit that goes into it and you kind of kind of like reverse engineer it like obviously there's a lot that's out of our control but there's a lot that's in our control I and mean, like yep. you said like maybe it's just us learning as hunters like what can we do different after looking at that situation um you know maybe get a different kind of uh ammunition or caliber of gun and then make adjustments for that so like that way you know in the future that doesn't happen again you know what i mean Absolutely. that's huge and even learning that and i wasn't even there for that experience right talk to them yeah hey, neither was i two things oh wow we go with dogs we got to consider the dog and where we're going to harvest the animal and right. make it appropriate the other thing is kudos to him for 
coming up for a long drive, planning this a long time out, having all these woods and people set up for multiple days and saying, guys, love you, but we're going to pay full respect to my dog. Oh, He's yeah. the leader of this group. He's injured right now. It's not a major injury, but the pad of his foot's got a little nick on it so he's not at full let's play let him fully heal and recover and not go on with the game right let's pause yeah. it and to add to that this guy has the worst luck on weather so we tried to get him up here <laughs> yeah, that two years ago on a spring jigging trip to walleye and he he had flood stage water flood stage water it was it was outrageous he river was dirty detroit river was flooded out yeah. i mean like just crazy then he comes up this trip and he he has 30 degree temps with 40 mile an hour winds it was just outrageous not only was the dog hurt but the weather conditions were brutal to say the least and uh, then he goes to iowa he runs a combine and 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 that whole trip gets washed out <laughs> So we pick on them all the time. But hey, just keep the good weather where you're at. Anytime you <laughs> totally, leave, like, yeah. yeah, like leave the shit weather to yeah, us in absolutely. Michigan. Absolutely. So CP's about ready for another pull. All right, here, here. we go. Another pull. Live pull here on the podcast. What we got? <laughs> and we're struck again. Well, you missed the frog, but we got a leaf and some sticks. <laughs> but guys, we got at least another good two, three pulls on us before the end of this podcast. So we have a couple more chances. So let's move on from the dog situation, which was um, unfortunate, but we will look forward to more endeavors with them in the future and running them. And there's always next year. So we Absolutely. can plan that again next year and report back to you. Guys. And as a, as the gentleman reported to us, there is seasons all over the United States throughout all season so including summertime is what i'm talking about what? which michigan's like oh well you don't hunt anything in the summer no that's not true you <laughs> have georgia you have other states and don't quote me on the states but he like named them off he's like oh no this season's from here this season from here and he's like i'm talking june july august like throughout the migration and, of squirrels <laughs> and uh, he's My like wife I, is gonna love this he says i'm going he says i'm going i just gotta figure out what to say i'm like I'm like, hey man, I will plan your whole darn trip. I'm not going, but I'll plan it for you. Oh, like, I love it. This is where it opens. I mean, and the nice thing about small game is it's so reasonably priced. You know yeah. what I mean? Like even an out of state tag, it's reasonable. Good entry for kids too. Absolutely, get, to get used to hunting. Okay, so that's the recap of our squirrel that started. Uh, we had great intentions, but obviously, uh, you know, we got to respect the, uh, the, the, the gentleman who brought up the dog from Ohio. And like we said, there's always next year, but we've also been doing, uh, I think we mentioned it a little bit on the last episode, but we were going to start getting into that time of year where it's like, it's not like a lull, but it's like a pause, right? I think Carson said it best. It's like a pause in the year, but it's a good time of year for you to kind of regroup and, uh, take care of some things that you wanted to take care of for us, actually for Kelly more specifically it was gathering up all that extra meat that he had from the fall and this is the time of year where he starts to get into uh playing around with jerky recipes sausage making all that kind of stuff so kp what have you uh, been brewing up in the kitchen well first off thank you because this oh yeah is this, this is amazing <laughs> we've got thank, two bags already <laughs> thank you guys thanks for the intro i appreciate that yes i have been uh i've done two batches of jerky recently I'm really excited i've been sending uh group 
pics and chats uh, to our group text message that we've been going through. So I'm going to run through start to finish uh, real quickly here. What cuts of meat? What would I do? What's my marinade? Uh, what type of smoker we use all the way to the end product of vacuum sealing. So I will try to do that in a quick fashion. If I skip anything, guys, if you guys have questions, please let me know. Again, this is only one person's take on this and uh, know that there are multiple ways to skin a cat. Also, I've seen a lot of cats that analyze. <laughs> uh, but, uh, also know that, be, you know, as always on all these podcasts, we're straight up dudes. Straight and simple. There's no BS. Switch to a woman like that swimmer? Yeah, I, we're not going to address that. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, so, uh, so basically, before I start, we're not sponsored by any products. That's I'm right. Not, I'm not non-biased. I am not getting any kickback. I purchase everything that I use with my own money, with my own thing. So I, that's important to stress. You know, I'm not, I'm not here to sell something. I'm not here to promote something. I don't know. And trying to be real with you. I mean, interrupt them. Ten cent can return pile you have going on. That's in Michigan. You just go buy them in Ohio. You don't have return. <laughs> yeah, we should be sponsored. Sponsored by Bell's Too Hearted, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. We're going to have to open one by the time this is done. But <laughs> anyways, here. So we're going to start with beginning to end. So first thing I do is I... Talk about your cuts of meats real quick. Do you stop interrupting sorry, me? I sorry. Sorry to apologize. Before you get into Damn the ingredients. It. I got it at the top of the list. Oh, do you here. really? Shit. Yeah, sorry. Shit. All right, go ahead. So first thing I do is thaw out meat, right? So we have uh, been successful in our hunt. We thaw out meat. The next question you're going to ask me is what cuts of meat? So I have looked up, I've done it my whole life, but I have looked up what cuts of meat I use. And those happen to be the rump roast, the sirloin tips, and the top and bottom round. What that means in plain English is the back hind quarters. I gotcha. use the back hind quarters. I am extremely picky with my selects of meat. I try to pick the biggest muscle groups of meat in the back hind quarters. And I try to use those for jerky. I'm fortunate enough to harvest a lot of deer. And I'm fortunate enough to have good cuts of meat to use them with. And I think that good cuts of meat produces good cuts of jerky. So don't don't take front shoulders and expect to put a bunch of gristle and, uh, you know, a bunch of silver skin and a bunch of crap in there and expect to have good jerky. So Red meat, things like yeah, that. So that's one of the biggest things. I thought out, uh, you're going to ask me what how much meat so i'm gonna say 10 to 15 pounds of meat at a time i do large uh jerky setups at a time these have been frozen i thaw them out i clean them thoroughly so it's pure red meat and then i cut them in approximately you know an eighth inch to a quarter inch cuts of meat now the big thing with cutting jerky once it's thawed is that you cut cross grain meaning that if you are looking at a roast or a steak or something some cut of meat i want to cut across the grain as long as it's appropriate for the the size of the jerky now if you have a two inch by 10 inch slab it may not be appropriate to cut cross grain because then you have you're gonna have 52 inch you know slabs of jerky cross so. grain you mean like perpendicular to the muscle fibers exactly gotcha. yeah so you want to look at those fibers running left and right you want them to be in front of you and you want to cut them across the grain yeah. that that will help tremendously on making 
tender jerky. So uh, that's important. Uh, again, I use the back hind quarters. We cut them. Uh, the next thing I do is after I get them, I'll get them in a big bin and I will rinse them. Some people don't believe in rinsing them. I believe that when we process that deer, uh, you know, at the time, there may be time constraints. There may be things. I don't rinse them at that time. I believe in a thorough rinse at that time. So I rinse in cold water. Not soaking them. Not soaking. I gotcha. do not soak. I rinse in a, a big tub and I'll rinse and I'll, I'll use my hand as a mixture and, and we'll rinse and I'll drain. After that, I do pat dry the meat. So I will put them on a, a towel or towel, uh, a paper towel rather, and we'll dry those out. After that, we are time for the marinade. Marinade's really simple. The brand that I happen to use this time, I'm not partial to one brand or the other. However, I do really like High Mountain, the brand High Mountain. And the reason I like them is that they, one, they can do up to 15 pounds of meat in one setting, and two, they have a really large cure and seasoning packet. They have a three ounce seasoning and a four, Carson's, Carson's mic dropped his mic. <laughs> his mic dropped. But anyways, they have a three ounce seasoning and a 4.2 ounce cure packet. So that's huge because most, most other brands don't have such a big seasoning packet. So I'm a huge believer in really coating the meat and doing a good job. And we posted this on our story this week. So I will, I, I saved those photos that you sent me. I'll send those packets and repost them. So that way people can put on our, look on our uh, Instagram page and you can see what those packets are that he's talking about. Absolutely. And again, we're not sponsored by these guys. I pay for these out of my pocket. This is just straight up. Um, so I season those, I cure them. The, the, the package says 24 hours. I do it for 48 hours. So I do double what the package says, whether that makes a difference or not. I don't know, but I, that's what I choose to do. I believe in, uh, so I mix all the meat. They're all in quarter inch strips. Okay. I, I've already rinsed them. I pat dried them. I put the cure and seasoning in a big bin. I mix them by hand. Mix them all up super good. I put them in a Ziploc bag so they're sealed. And then I put them in the fridge for 48 hours. Question. Yes, is this Would this be a dry brine then? Yeah, I consider it dry brine yeah. because I don't put any water in per se. That's now, right. However, the the meat has been rinsed, so it does have some moisture. I pat dry them, so I don't thoroughly dry them. You know, there is still some moisture in there, uh, but I consider it a dry blend. And I think that's important so that that seasoning and cure you put in there isn't it isn't diluted you know we're not we're not putting cups of water in there you know what i mean so that's important to me again this is only my my take on the the the, the subject uh from there after 48 hours we're time to smoke man i've done dehydrators i've done small smokers i've done different things I am fortunate enough to uh, have the opportunity to smoke on a uh, Weber pellet smoker. It's a medium to large pellet smoker. I don't have the exact model on me. Uh, but anyways, the nice thing about that is they take pellets. They're very clean smoking. They go up to temp very quickly. They're very easy to manage. Yep. And the next thing you're going to ask me is, what do you smoke at? And yep. how long, right? <laughs> so 200 degrees is my target temperature. 
And uh, as far as time frame, I anticipated them taking two hours. However, they took one. So my plan was at one hour, I was going to flip and rotate racks and I was going to go for another hour. However, the first batch after one hour, I felt they were done. I never rotated them, never switched them. Nothing. And they're too small to put a probe in them, the meat probe to feel, to see what the temperature is. So a lot of this is just kind of like touch and feel and like kind of yeah. just like trial and error. It's a little bit of babysitting. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so my opinion uh, on the matter is flip often, rotate often. So every smoker, every grill, everything that you ever cook on will have hotter spots than others and will have cooler spots than others. So uh, after that hour, the first batch was done. That sweet and hot that you guys ate first, it was done. And then the second right. batch I did was smoke. And I said, oh, my God, okay. Well, now I'm going to do every 20 minutes at 200 degrees. I flipped and rotated rack. So I took, and this is just a basic smoker, guys. So this is just a one-layer smoker on the bottom, which which was uh, comprised of three separate racks on the bottom, or three grates, if you will. Yep. And then one single top layer grate, which was the entire uh, width of the grill or smoker, if you will. So uh, four racks in total, but... Every 20 minutes, I took those three racks, I flipped them 180, and then I rotated position. So if the one on the left went to the one on the right, the one on the right went to the one on the left, the top one got flipped 180. And so I did that every 20 minutes. After three racks, an hour, guys. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. We're talking about, I use Traeger. They're kind of thin meat, too, and they're all thin, the same. Thin, 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 thin. And I think a lot of people tend to over-smoke meat, especially when it comes to jerky. Remember that this stuff will continue to cook and when you cool yes, it, yes. That, that moisture and you'll be like oh my god look at all the it's wet it's tender it's not good i literally bite into multiple pieces as i'm cooking it and i'm pulling it off it okay well well this looks you know this looks really good you do not want it to dry when you cool off pull it off because it will continue to dry out uh, so from there, uh, we pull it all off. I put it in a sealed container. I put it in the fridge. That flavor will continue to enrich. It'll be awesome. Let it sit in a Ziploc bag for 24 hours in the fridge and then pull it out, taste it. It should be awesome. And I'll Ziploc bag it from there. Excuse me. And you're going to ask me what Ziploc bags I use or what uh, vacuum sealer bags. But I'll, vacuum seal. Yeah, I'm, I, I do. I vacuum seal everything. It's fantastic. I use a, um, a, a vacuum seal sealer, a food saver. I'm sorry. Food saver uh, vacuum sealer. And the bags I use, I use the cheapest ones from Amazon that I can find with good review. So a lot of people will choose the food saver right. bags. I'm not saying don't use those, but but court bags have just been phenomenal to me. They're pre-sealed, and you can get vacuum seal by O2 free pack, and that's again it's on Amazon. It's a 200 count bags, eight by 12, which is court bags, for 26 dollars. It had 8,000 reviews at 4.8 stars. Oh yeah, you're good to go then. Yeah, like guys, this is a no-brainer. Please do not. I'm not saying, I'm not saying don't buy the, the the more expensive bag, but there are phenomenal vacuum sealer bags out there for very inexpensive. So coming up, we have Mother's Day and Father's Day. So any.
anybody that's interested in this, I think the entry level, uh, that's a reasonable gift for Father's or Mother's Day. Uh, uh, for it would be a vacuum sealer absolutely right and you can obviously like cabela's bass pro sells them for the most part i think the vacuum sealer does a pretty good job but the like what car or i'm not sorry but kp was talking about was the quality that you're going to see and the difference that you're going to see and like the like when you unfreeze your meat it would be in the bags because i think the vacuum sealers for the most part they do a pretty good job of sucking all that air out as long as you do the process right absolutely but, but the, the quality of the bag you got to think about if you're stacking things in freezers and stuff like that you're going to want to higher quality bag because yeah. if you get a puncture in that bag if you're stacking a lot of meat on top of each other in the freezer that's where you can get in trouble and the only time i'll, I'll elaborate on that a little bit the only time we've ever had a problem with the vacuum sealer bag is when it's wet so if you have say a bag of fish you try to vacuum seal it it's not going to want to seal well if you're sucking a bunch of water sure. out of there so vacuum sealers work great when they're dry so jerky's great and jerky's already dehydrated all the moisture's gone you right know i mean so it's it's a very easy thing to do but same thing with you know chicken breasts or things or other stuff but but if it's wet like for example fish i've had problems vacuum sealing fish and yep. i don't attribute that to the bag i attribute well how's it supposed to hot seal and melt plastic together when it's wet you right. know so i don't blame the bag in that i just i have to understand that i have to fill a gallon bag full of water and i'll freeze it that way you yep. know you do another poll Ready. all right poll number three i think on the podcast <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna have to buy a fish and put it in there if we don't get one. <laughs> and we're over three. I tell you what, man, you're pulling the shit out of that though. You got good form, everything. <laughs> hand over hand. You want to really tell anybody well. on the form? You want to pull with your legs more, right? Don't pull with your back. Fucking hard. All right, there you go. Um, and just one more thing. When uh, KP was talking about the reason why it cooks more when you take it off the uh, the smoker is that that dry brine and everything. It's not like you're cooking a steak where the moisture can come out. It's already sealed, right? Yeah. So all that heat and everything, all those flavors, all the juices and the salt and everything like that, it stays within the cavity of the uh, uh, of the meat that you're that you're smoking so it's going to continue to stay hotter at that temperature for longer because everything is sealed that air that hot cannot escape escape through the the like i said the derma layer of the the meat absolutely so what you guys think we had a sweet and hot and we had a peppered any opinions pepper i like the pepper not that the sweet's bad i'm just more of a spicy peppery kind of guy 90 percent of the time i always pick pepper but i, I like the sweet and hot day. <laughs> <laughs> well if i have to be the third and tiebreaker i would say that it's a tie <laughs> well that's a no-brainer right yeah i mean they're both so good it's just it's hard to pick but. well it's up to you right so like let's say uh you know think about how you're who's gonna eat this if you got kids right sweet yep. and spicy that might be or i'm sorry sweet and uh uh, salty might be better for the kids. The peppery might be or spicy if you want to add some more spice to it for the guys at deer camp or whatever it is. Just make a couple different batches and see what sticks. Absolutely. We got two done. I've probably done 25 pounds of jerky in the last uh, you know, week or two, and, and we have more coming. So Carson's really excited for uh, some sausage making really soon. We're going to have some summer yeah. sausage. And if you guys have things, you know, like I can help out with some jerky and Carson's going to take over some sausage or we trade efforts and we have some skill sets you know we're going to work together as a team i feel like i need to contribute more which i talked about that earlier off mic but 
the walleye. I need to contribute more for <laughs> oh, that. You just did some turkey. Oh, I did turkey. some turkey breasts. Yeah. So I saw the, some pictures last week. Yeah. The last of the turkey breasts. So real quick on that, uh, you know, wild turkey for, if you guys don't know, if you're into hunting, we're going to get into that a little bit, but it's a lot leaner than your traditional farm turkey. Um, a lot drier, things like that. And when I mean lean, I'm talking super lean. Um, but anyways, for which is healthy too, but a little dry. It is. And it's tough because like some people say, Oh, I only deep fry a turkey or, you know, I breast it out and I throw it on the grill right away. Um, I will say that when I made mine, I breasted it out. Uh, I, I, I unthawed the entire breast. I put a rub on it. You can put traditional like Traeger rubs on it. Um, the, I put the poultry one on it. Uh, and, and I threw it on the smoker for five hours at 180. Okay. Got it to a temperature of 160, pulled it off. It continued to just like that you talked about cook a little bit more when you pull it off. Mm hmm wrap it in tin foil and it gets up to a temperature of 165 which is your safe zone for poultry cut into it i will say this when you cut into it that day uh when it's still warm it's juicy uh it, it's tender tastes extremely good my daughter loved it uh vienna got into it and she was all over it that's a big compliment <laughs> it, that's Absolutely. what i thought too thank you and she's young She's seven years old. Seven years old. You get seven-year-old little princess saying, this is good. That's when, like, amen. When she asked for seconds, I was like, thank you. That's a compliment. <laughs> uh, Piper said it was spicy, and so did my wife, which, respect, it was a little spicy, and Vienna had to take a glass of milk with it. I might have added too much of the uh, cayenne pepper on it, and that's my bad. <laughs> but uh, but Dad liked it. Right? I liked it. It was good. But I'll say this. If you warm it up the next day or you try to dig back into it a day later, Later, it dries out significantly and it turns into more of a jerky. I'm not saying you can't eat it. I eat it. I still like it, but think of it more of like uh, a, a turkey jerky from like, uh, you know, a gas station or something like that. It's going to be a little bit drier, still got good flavor, all that good stuff. But if you want to have it at like a sit down meal with mashed potatoes, all that kind of stuff, eat it right after you pull it off the grill, after you let it cool for about 10 minutes, heats up to that safe 165 temperature and you're good to go. Completely different game from fresh, brand new. Oh yeah, to totally. Like Leftovers. But I mean, don't feel like just because it's a, a wild turkey, you can't, uh, <laughs> got a good show there. You can't, uh, you can't sit down and like, uh, enjoy it. Or you feel like you have to deep fry you see it. That guy, he was cruising by. He was trying to eyeball my Creek. Yeah, that dude, he went cool slow, one. real slow. All right, so now here's another question. Is it Creek or Crick? Did I say Crick? Well, that that was a middle. That was a middle. It wasn't creek no, or crick. I said crick. I said I think it's crick. What do you guys call it? Crick. But other places, um, definitely tomato, tomato, or it's different. I think a Michigander thing. It's crick. Hi, crick. I'm crick. Okay. I think it's cricker. What do you, you think? Say comment below. Right? Yeah. Comment. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, I, so, what do you I, say I, I when you're next? against the grain? But I think this particular place that we're at, I think the particular name is Creek. Well, that's like yeah. But if you were standing geese, next, right? If, if you, someone called you right now and say, "Where are you? What what are you standing next to?" Without naming the name, are you next to a creek or a creek? Well, see the, the last. Uh, that's, see, that's the, where it changes. That's where it changes because if I'm if I don't say the name of where we're at meaning the name of the waterway, then it's Crick. However, if you use the full entitled name, say Blue Water Creek, 
then then it's called a creek. But if I'm standing next to it, I'll say I'm next to the creek. So that's interesting. Yeah. So it changes. So that's probably where the debate comes in, right? Because comment hey. below. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone drop us a DM. Is it creek or creek? That might be the name of the episode. Creek well, or creek? Spelled exactly the same. <laughs> I think so. yeah. No, your spelling is the same. But not everyone else. We is. put our Michigan twang on it, and it becomes yeah. creek. Yeah. Um, I, I like creek too. If you're going walking down the creek, it's creek, you know. But if you say the name of that particular waterway, a lot of times, like I said, this is a made up Big example, of course. Yeah. But Blue Water Creek that's is right. a name on the map. That's so true. So it's like, why don't we use the name that's listed on the map? But we're in Michigan. We're going to tell people like yeah, how we, we say in Michigan. We make up our own way. <laughs> so let's let's wrap up this episode with our ambitions in the next couple weeks. So. Uh, Carson, you said that you're excited about turkey season this year because last year at this time, which we'll get, we'll end the episode with that. You got you were mun- you weren't munching a turkey hunt. I wasn't. This might be my first real spring turkey hunt of all the outdoors I've done my whole life, and I've shot m- multiple turkeys in the fall sure because i was deer hunting yeah. and the turkey came as yeah, a yeah, bonus but yeah. a lot with the bow too and so i have a little more time on my hands right now and i have some young youngsters and so i'm really looking forward to uh chasing the birds you know that's another important topic we haven't touched on yet why do you have more time on yeah hands? let's uh let's uh, like step well first off like congratulations right oh, big deal so yeah, so big you. so big congratulations are in order tell them what uh you retired from well uh yeah so we've all been firefighter firefighter full-time yeah 15 years 18 years at the department okay started pretty young blessed career best time and uh it became a balance, and I've got to kind of get in details to explain this a little bit, is at the department, fire department, full-time, I see people having the worst days of their life, and everybody understands that. And with that, I see how valuable our time is. And then we have our outdoors conversation, this positive podcast, and the growing family that we've talked about multiple times. And, man, i got to value that time. Blessed to be running a, a side business and a wife that supports me quite a bit. She's pretty amazing. So, uh, in Tom's words, and we say this quite a bit, can't afford not to. So, I yeah. took an early retirement. That's a t-shirt. <laughs> it is a t-shirt. Comment below on that. <laughs> so, we have uh, early retirement, concentrating on business only to, not for any financial gain or change, but to have more value in our time. More value for that turkey hunting, more value for this family, for sports, for having podcasts with you and dip netting 10 times without catching a dang thing and loving every minute of it by the fire. So, uh, yeah, thank you. I feel very blessed to have that opportunity and um, just been valuing the time. When you say value your time, are you talking just your day-to-day on earth, everything? I mean, obviously being in the firefighter department, you guys seen a lot of shit, but just like you got good perspective, it sounds like, on on meaningful time, right? Well, nobody knows how long we're going to be on this earth sure. this time. And I don't know. If you don't live outside your means, if you have enough to hang out by the creek or creek or whatever you want to have, <laughs> right. or you want to be a fire and you have enough time to uh, pull a dip net. Or, oh, my boys were out here right, right oh, before yeah. we started. It was getting... 
eight thirty, you know, almost nine. They still got to get their bath and bedtime, but they pulled the first net. They were excited. Sure, those are memories. Yeah, I could have been, you know, at, at the job working tonight, and wow, I feel very rich yeah, to be able sure. to spend that little bit of time. I do a lot of sports, do a lot of kids and it in the family vacations, even if it's camping out in the back with a tent in the Michigan great outdoors. Simple things, but doing things that you like and enjoy, um, whatever that is. And if it's mm-hmm. work, great, do that too. Um but doing things that you like I think was the key factor. Well the other thing too is is like I think perspective. It's I think Everybody here, we all have kids standing in the circle. And if Tom was here, he has kids as well. Yep. It's time that we don't get back, right? So it's like, as soon as your kid is born, it's like an hourglass that tips over when they're underneath your roof. <laughs> it's a time that you have a, a very impactful influence on them. It's traditions that you want to pack down. It's your time with them. Because when they get older, you got to kind of respect when they're adults you know, it's, it's time for them to their corner. It's their choices, right? And I'll elaborate on that yeah. a little bit. Because How long we got with you, Kel? One year, little Meg. Right. Birthday. Yeah, Meg's just oh, turned yeah. one. So Meg's one today. Our, my daughter, uh, our daughter, my Happy wife and birthday, I. Meg. Uh, yeah, she's one today. We had a great trip to a local, uh, real small zoo and uh, breakfast. And I think I'm struggling to open this beer here. What's going on? <laughs> uh, Happy but, birthday, Meg. Yeah, hey, Meg. Uh, but yeah, she's doing great. And we're very, very blessed with that uh, aspect. Um, but to elaborate a little bit on what. But, um, you know, Carson was saying in the simplest and easiest way I can explain it is we've never ran on an elderly and there's, there's no uh, disrespect here at all, but an elderly person who's getting ready to pass who says, uh, of course, I work on the fire department with Carson, with our other friend, Tom, who were all full time members and paramedics. Um but anyways, we've never ran on another one of those elderly members who said, I wish I would have worked more. Right. You know what I mean? And we take that into perspective when we get that opportunity. And I look at it as a thankful opportunity to reflect on their lives, you know? And, and that's a really, it's a really deep conversation to end this, you know? But um, what would you do different? I would spend more time with my family. Right. And everyone will tell you the exact same thing. And uh, if you guys listen and have family or friends or out there who, who are experienced the same thing or who, you know, and they'll all tell you the exact same thing. I wish I would have done more. I wish I would have took in that trip. I wish I would have taken more time with my friends and family. So me personally, I'm super excited for a brother to do this on his own terms, his own way, and to, you know, to make his own path, if you will, but, um, and also lead the way for us, you know, maybe it was such a good example down the road that, hey, we don't need x amount of dollars hey we don't need this all we need is our health and our family and good choices and then we'll be in good shape you know what i mean so i I look forward to it i think time in the outdoors puts that in perspective too you have a lot of time to sit and reflect absolutely and and this could be a whole nother episode but you know every year like if i if we plan trips um you know we're going to get into our trips coming up in the fall but it's always i always tell my wife it's like it's my reset it's It's a therapy it's a therapy it's a 
meditation. It's time to think. There's no, I mean, my phone's on me, obviously, but I can't be like talking or texting or doing anything like that. Like, it's a complete time for you to reflect on your past year, where you're at in your life, the goals that you want to set. Like, you have a lot of time to think in that stand throughout the next three months. And it's like a journey. Like, as soon as you get the way you thought in, uh, you know, beginning of September and elk hunting is different than how you're going to think in December. And it's like, it's almost like a, you know, a digress or reverse engineering of how you're going to plan your next season going into January one or your life, uh, personal goals, financial goals, uh, family goals, husband, wife, whatever you are, uh, and and kind of go down that path. So everybody that you'll see, you've heard this, all of us heard it a thousand times. Oh, it goes by your time goes by so fast. Enjoy them kids. They grow up before you know. Sure. Everyone's everyone says that, right? But are we truly listening? I mean, well, they're all telling us. Right. I'm telling you and you're telling me. Right. And I'm telling you and you're telling me. And it happens over and over. Why don't we listen more and just sure. take that message that's got pounded into us a thousand times and not just take it as a, hey, how you doing? Good. Oh, what a beautiful day. Right. right. Blown off. What, what did you really think about those simple words? Age and wisdom, right? Wow. I, I think that comes into, pers- I, I, like everybody standing here in the circle and including Tom, who's not here, I think we all have good perspective, mm. you know, whatever that. It's Tom's word. Yeah. What, that, you, Tommy. Yeah. That perspective that I think we all appreciate. So. In closing of this podcast, one, congratulations, Carson, on uh, you know your 18 years at the department. That's awesome. Excited for you and your family in the next step in your phase of, of your entrepreneurship and all that good stuff. Thanks. Secondly, Tom's not here, so it doesn't feel right, but... We're celebrating one year of the podcast. Nice. So wow. last we year started with that. I know. Last year we <laughs> we I'll put it in the intro. But anyways, last year we launched. Uh, April second was our first podcast episode. I had reached out to these guys uh, via Facebook, um, and uh, you know what? It's been it's a great journey. If we don't make, obviously, we're not in it for anything other than we we purely love the camaraderie, the the story sharing, and if you think about it, like you were talking, our kids are going to be able to hear this years from now, yeah, right? Especially, yeah, super super cool. This is super important. Like, uh, you know, I really want to stress that we have not made a dime off this podcast. We've been meeting for a year now. We right. have not got, uh, you know, not to say that it won't happen in the future. Not to say that we'll say yes or no. But we have not got a single kickback from any company for any product. I have not pushed any product that I don't believe in that I haven't paid for right. my own dime. And it's super important because it's it, real. You know what I mean? Like, this is just straight up, guys. We're, we're a bunch of hillbilly hicks from <laughs> from Southeast Michigan. Like, yourself, huh? you know, hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, he's retired. Yeah, like, yeah, he's like, I don't know. He's like white tie now. So our white collar a little bit. So. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but at the same time. We have got a lot of wealth from this already. Oh, for sure, dude. Right? You're not maybe talking about dollars, but Lee, our friendship that we've gained over these conversations. Oh, yeah. Joy, thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Then we're hanging out and it's a warm fire, dipping that and not catching a dang thing. And I had a great night tonight. Right. This is super cool. It's a random Wednesday night. Yeah. Yeah, it's a Wednesday night. (laughs) (laughs) We have some deep conversations and 
that meaningful and to bring this full circle i know we have to close wait a up. minute hold on it's tuesday night you don't even know what the hell day it is hey i oh, knew shit. i let it go <laughs> <laughs> i had to let it go sometimes sponsored it's by awesome. two harder day all right let's do one last poll on the episode well, hopefully we got a fish in here if not folks yep. uh it's been one year we want to thank you guys for listening uh we're having a blast doing this we're going to keep this thing going and um and real quickly what do we got next carson's got some uh turkey hunting what tur- do you got lee i got turkey hunting coming up it opens uh what carson next week yeah, I think so. Next week we're open, so we'll have a live report back from that. We have a live poll right now and still zero fish. So thank you for staying. <laughs> Five polls, zero fish. That's all right, buddy. Right. We're going to keep it going. But, um, yeah, so we got turkey season. Um, I'm going to report on uh, the river fishing uh, for the Detroit River for walleye. That's heating up right now as you're listening to this. It's uh, the middle of April. It is just now picking up. So if you're listening to this, get out there on the river. It's hot right now. Now, KP, what do you got? I got a lot, man. I'm excited about uh, spring uh, bluegill and crappie fishing. They're going to be coming on their beds before we know it. So I'm super excited to take our flat bottom boat out. With that, we also may be doing some spring walleye fishing as well. Okay. With you, Lee. Yep, you bet. that. Hey, and on top of that, we've been tossed around the idea of some food plots. I don't know if that will or will not come to fruition, but it's something that's heavy on our minds of what we can do to increase our deer herd numbers. Or I'm sorry, not really numbers, but quality. retention. Retention, yeah, right? Like I want to, I want to bring them in. Uh, we are pulling trail cameras in Ohio as we speak, so those cameras have been set since September. I still have cameras working since September. September. It is now April. I cannot be more impressed with our camera setups and the deer quality and the numbers and uh, just the overall aspect of cameras in general, cell cameras. So I cannot rave about that enough. I cannot wait to get those cameras pulled which of course we have all the pictures but to get those reset and to get uh the next you know the spring growing season going man i'm freaking pumped it'll be here before you know it yeah so that's what i got going on all right well we got a lot coming your way guys in the next episode uh congratulations obviously to us for one year hopefully you guys are enjoying this podcast and as always thank you for listening thanks guys cheers everybody see ya